and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name is Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology, rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture, and we can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Top of the morning to you. It's an Irish special this week for the beloved St. Patrick's Day that is celebrated throughout the UK, Ireland and the US. And what better than to cover the most famous creature from Ireland instead of doing a Valentine's special this year. I really think this one wins. So of course, for this one, whilst we do have many more Irish creatures, we're looking at the one that is universally recognised for St Paddy's Day, and that is the Leprechaun. Leprechauns are described as short, red-headed bearded fairies who dressed in green three-piece suits with a skewed hat and are known for having a nasty temper and a habit for trickery and roguish antics. They are usually considered to be about two to three foot tall, with the appearance of an older man, or sometimes kind of a deformed person, but they are considered fey folk, and are actively shunned from the usual fey community, because usually of their defamations. They are completely solitary creatures because of this, and you'll never find them around other fey or leprechauns themselves. However, some of what we know of leprechauns is fabricated, For example, they don't actually wear green within folklore, they are usually found in red, which, I'll be honest, as a fellow redhead truly surprises me, because most redheads do not look great in red. If you do, you go. I do not. The best way I can describe how they look, though, is from a book called Irish Wonders from 1888 by David McAnally. He is around three feet high and is dressed in a little red jacket or roundabout, with red breeches buckled at the knee, grey or black stockings and a hat, cocked in the style of a century ago, over a little old withered face. Round his neck is an Elizabethan ruff, and frills of lace are at his wrists. On the wild west coast, where the Atlantic winds bring an almost constant rain, he dispenses with ruff and frills, and wears a frieze overcoat over his pretty red suit so that, unless on the lookout for the cocked hat, ye might pass a leprechaun on the road and never know it's himself that's in it at all. We actually only know that they're wearing green to link back to their native Ireland, and very often are linked with St Patrick's Day, including dressing up as them, but the red suit is more traditional, but not as celebrated anymore because of this link to St Patrick's, and I'll get more into St Paddy and leprechaun relations later on. Leprechauns are exclusively male, there has never been a reported female leprechaun, and that is all linked to their fey heritage. Leprechauns are apparently the children of fairies who reject their children based on their deformities, and therefore live very solitary lives. It's not known how they reproduce, but we assume that they are just a collective bunch of rejected kids. Of course, we can totally see this in myths around fairies too, much like changelings, for example. And there are theories that there could be a female equivalent, which would be the Banshee, usually, another Irish monster who are exclusively female. And these are the sort of male equivalents. 
but this hasn't been proven anywhere that I can find explicitly. They do have a usage within their communities though, and that is shoemaking or being cobblers, a not so lucrative line of work, but a very wholesome one. However, they will only do this for the Fae and not for humans. The biggest thing though that they are known for is money, and mostly harbouring gold like tiny, tiny dragons. The myth is that they're more obsessed with the idea of having this wealth and this gold rather than being avid spenders. Apparently they can't spend the gold at all, and they hide all of this gold at the pot at the end of the rainbow (laughs) to avoid anyone getting their hands on it, because they are constantly interchanging. Every leprechaun has a pot of gold, so there is a chance for every rainbow to have one there too. However, when you do find their pot of gold, you are more likely to find that this gold will disappear after about a day of having it, meaning your greedy adventure would amount to pretty much naught. This trick is apparently meant to make you feel like you were greedy and to pay a price of your greed in having it all stripped away from you. Now, you've most likely heard myths of people catching leprechauns in order to find their stash of money. However, if you do catch one, they'll often bargain with you and give you three wishes for their release. These spells will very often backfire, as the leprechaun is also super stingy when it comes to giving out magic, leading to terrible mishaps and accidents when humans get involved. If you do manage to help a leprechaun though, or free one from a trap, it will bless you with good luck and fortune, which is where the saying the luck of the Irish comes from. Is there anything though about leprechauns being violent? I swear I've seen a Warwick Davies series somewhere. No. That is just the Leprechaun film series. They are pretty grumpy and solitary, as I said, but they are not apparently violent, even if the Hollywood movies convince you otherwise. But unfortunately, much like fairies, it can sometimes end up that their magic can go a bit too far, and they can end up, say, kidnapping children or causing an accidental death. Saying that, though, Leprechauns do just want to play tricks, and they're a bit of a rogue with a penchant for justice for greedy people, and I think that's really what they symbolise. I think the Leprechaun movie series has a lot to answer for if it's making people believe that they're actively malicious and murderous. They are just not that. They are very much the tricksters of the fae world in Irish culture. On to etymology. Now, this one has a few roots, but it comes from the Gaelic language, the original language of Scotland and Ireland, but also one of the Celtic languages. So it was actually spoken throughout all of the British Isles, France and Belgium back in the day too. The most common is that leprechaun comes from the Irish Gaelic leprechaun, which means pygmy or sprite, but it can sometimes come from the Irish lucrapan, which comes from the root words of lu meaning small and corp meaning body, which of course comes from the Latin for body corpus. There are also reports of it coming from Lithbrigan, which means half-brogue or shoemaker. A brogue is a type of shoe, and obviously this all links them to their cobbler profession. Their history, though, is much more interesting than this, mainly because it's slightly all over the place. Leprechauns go back to at least the 8th century, or around 700 AD, and these started with tales of water spirits called Lucapon, which you might recognise from the etymology. These spirits arose with the normal household fairies and lived in cellars of the Celts living there, usually drinking all of the alcohol they had available. This folktale that started it all 
is still going around, and it's called the Saga of Fergus MacLaty. It's said that Fergus, the King of Ulster, falls asleep by the beach after travelling a great distance. He wakes up to find three Lucapan trying to drag him into their undersea lair. When they get him into the water, the cold wakes him up, and he manages to capture all of them, but releases them after he was promised his three wishes. One of the wishes is to be able to breathe underwater, but the king didn't know that the power did not work in a certain lock, called Lock Bridrage. The king went swimming there anyway, and found that the Lockapan were trying to protect him from a massive sea beast that roamed there, the Murdris. The monster was absolutely massive and terrifying, so much so that the king's face was permanently contorted in an expression of fear. He did escape the beast, but was not told of his disfigurement by his men, and they went and covered all of the mirrors in his kingdom to prevent him from discovering it. He eventually got old and spiteful, and one of the servants told him the truth about his face, meaning that he could never be High King of Ireland, as apparently you can't rule with a disfigurement. He then swore revenge on the great sea beast, and fought it in the most epic battle that went on for two days. Once he had slaughtered the beast, the lock was red with blood. Although he had used up so much energy, and he was himself an old man, that he actually died shortly after the battle himself. But it's a great story, with actually the origin leprechauns being a minor character here, but a really crucial one to this story. However, there are other reports of their origin way before this, back before the Celts even settled in Ireland, which was around 500 BC. This is that leprechauns are actually descended from the Celtic gods, specifically the goddess Danu, who was considered the mother god of the land, but she was also the mother goddess of the Tuatha de Danann, or the tribe of the gods, which were basically a race of demigods who ran Ireland before the Christians came over to the country. They were all supernatural beings with magic and immortality, able to shapeshift and control the weather, and were eventually driven underground by the opposing tribes in Ireland at the time. I'm going to do a full episode on the Tuatha, they are super interesting so I won't go too much into them here. A fun fact though, is that through their legend, Ireland was named after the Celtic goddess Iru, who was then eventually changed to Aya, which is the Gaelic of the name Erin. I do often like to say that I'm named after a Celtic goddess rather than an actual island, but it's quite a fun fact. Anyway, the Tuatha ended up living out their lives under the earth, and eventually their kind came to be known as the Sheed, or people of the mountains by the time Christianity started to take a hold on Ireland, with the Anglo-Norman invasion and the pagan Celtic religions starting to fade in around 1170. Although I will say the Romans did invade Ireland in the 5th century and introduced Christianity, but it didn't really take a hold and remove the pagan roots until much later. For the leprechauns though, they were supposedly part of the Sheed community, and would pop up from the earth to join their brethren topside. So of course, then they would be the children of the Tuatha, and therefore demigods themselves from Danu. There is another theory though, which again is quite godly, but it's that they are descendants of the Irish deity Lu, the god of the sun and the arts, who after the introduction of Christianity was demoted to a cobbler called Lu Cremain, apparently the first ever leprechaun, 
and all of them are descended from him. After all this though, you might be wondering how the leprechaun actually got attached to St Paddy's Day overall. I know that I am. Well, it's not actually conclusively clear, but St Patrick is the patron saint of Ireland and was actually an Irish Roman who was taken to be a slave in pagan tribes. During this time, he found God and then attempted to convert the pagan Irish, which is most often referred to as driving out the snakes. But there have never been any snakes in Ireland, so what they're actually referring to is the mass conversion of pagans to Christianity. He did not get rid of any actual snakes. Well, sorry, how do leprechauns come into this? Well, leprechauns were actually changed culturally from their red outfits to their green ones, which we talked about earlier, which we now know was to celebrate their connection with Ireland. St. Patrick was always known for wearing green, and of course there is green in the Irish flag. However, St. Patrick's Day is on the 17th of March every year, and is typically associated with good luck, good deeds and drinking, all of which leprechauns are also known for. So, to be honest, they've just kind of been popped together for convenience. There's not much else to it. There have been loads of sightings throughout history of leprechauns, but the most recent and famous is that in 1989, a pub landlord in Ireland heard screams from a well and found the remains of a leprechaun, including its full outfit, which is now on display in his pub. The town of Carlingford in County Luth, where it's based, has an annual leprechaun hunt every single year, where they just go basically Easter hunting for plastic leprechauns. And in fact, the leprechaun is a protected species under EU law, under the European Habitats Directive. In the same Carlingford, there is a big sign stating that 236 leprechauns are protected and can live there undisturbed, all done by a local lobbyist. It is important to note that this is all within Southern Ireland, or the Republic of Ireland, which means this is not in the UK, and therefore is still within the EU, and these laws do still apply post-Brexit, which is a wild thing to talk about in a mythology podcast, but hey-ho. Going across the pond, the US love the leprechaun. They are famously the mascot of the Lucky Charms cereal, and they're also the mascot of the Notre Dame football team, if you are based in the US. Also, the only official leprechaun colony is in Portland, Oregon, where someone planted a bush in a former street lamp hole and called it the world's tiniest park, and then started writing stories about the leprechauns who lived there in their local paper. It is an actual official park, and even has a miniature swimming pool. There is a theory that Walt Disney created the idea of the leprechaun, as it's believed that he is responsible for bringing leprechauns to the US for his movie Darby O'Gill back in the 1960s, and told the tale of St. Patrick and the leprechauns. However, I will say and completely debunk this myth, Disney has Irish heritage and researched them in Ireland before the movie was written. He actually came over to Ireland. So I think we can safely say he did not invent them. But sure, he might have helped bring them over to the mainstream in the US, you know, alongside all of the Irish immigrants. There is a nod to leprechauns in Disneyland based on the Little Man of Disneyland book, where a leprechaun called Patrick was living on the Disney property before Disney, and he has a little tree root house at the entrance of the Indiana Jones ride within the California Disneyland Park, which you can still go and see. Highly recommend. It's very cute. 
My last real life fact is that there is a genetic birth disorder called leprechaunism, or otherwise known as Donahue syndrome, which is incredibly rare, but it's a resistance to insulin which makes the babies irregularly small, have pointed ears, wide spaced and bulging eyes, alongside with really thick patches of skin and enlarged genitalia. There are only 50 cases reported in all medical literature and is most common in females, but the condition is actually called this because it gives the child these elf-like features. Unfortunately, there is no cure and life expectancy is very, very short for these children with a death expected within a year of life. But in happier parts of this creature's background, we also can't gloss over their link to the Fae of Ireland, which is really heavily leaned on within their folklore and throughout the Gaelic-speaking countries. The leprechaun is a favourite within Irish mythology, but you can see them perfectly alongside atypical fairies, fawns and other friendly fae folk that we know and love throughout the British Isles. They do apparently have a mythical cousin, the Clurachan, which are really similar to leprechauns, and are considered the knight versions of these fae. They have the same look and characteristics, but after a long day's work, they'll all empty the local cellars and ride wild animals whilst completely off their head drunk. In contrast to this, of course, we can also see the scary ones like Kelpies, Bargeths, Dalahans, and Banshees alongside these monsters too. And I really do like the whole British fairy thing. We really do all come together on this. And it's certainly something that we'll cover more in the future too. And that I really look forward to bringing to you. But now on to modern media. There is quite a few in this one, so I hope you are ready for this. Obvious one here is the Leprechaun film series, which is pretty famous, but I'll kind of take it away. For art, there's really not that much for traditional stuff this week, which might surprise you. But have a look at a Leprechaun Counts His Gold from around 1900 with no artist attached for an older drawing, which I think is weird. But you can find that just by Google searching. Or again, independent stuff is always the way to go. In movies, we have, of course, the Leprechaun movie series, all eight of them. The Luck of the Irish, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery, Darby O'Gill and the Little People, Behind the Waterfall, Leaping Leprechauns and Muppets Most Wanted. For TV, we have Moonlighting, Wizards of Waverly Place, Bewitched, The Twilight Zone, Bonanza, American Gods, Magical Legend of the Leprechaun, Aquabat Super Show, Honey I Shrunk the Kids, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, Voyage to the Bottom of the Sea, Live and Kicking, South Park, Looney Tunes, The Simpsons, Wish Fart, Martin Mystery, Winx Club, Johnny Bravo, Moville Mysteries, The Littles, Fairly Odd Parents, DuckTales, Moocha Lucha, Extreme Ghostbusters, Inspector Gadget, The Smurfs, Monsters vs. Aliens, Popeye, Lucky, Teen Titans Go, Woody Woodpecker, The Leprechaun's Christmas Gold, American Dragon Jake Long, and Jackie Chan Adventures. In video games, we have ones such as Warlord's Battlecry, Leprechaun 1982, Rogue, Nightmare Busters, Age of Wonders, DC Universe Online, Heroes of Might and Magic, Extreme Ghostbusters, Lep's World, NetHack, Shining the Holy Ark, Tales of Midler, Splunky 2, Chronicle Keepers, The Dreaming Garden, Gems of War, Death Spank, Shin Megami Tensei, Devil Summoner, 
Scribblenauts Unlimited, King's Quest, Earthworm Jim 3D, and Bugs Bunny Crazy Castle 4. My book recommendation this week is The Truth About Leprechauns by Dr. Robert Caran for a really great look into leprechauns themselves. I use this massively for my research this week, so I really recommend this one. Or for a more general look at Celtic mythology, have a look at the Mammoth Book of Celtic Myths and Legends by Peter Beresford Ellis. But now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I'm honestly not sure about this one. I know that sounds really odd for me, but hear me out. This monster is so iconic, and I feel to say no would be a seriously quick decision. I think the idea of fairies, especially in this part of the world where they are so ingrained into our folklore and culture, is quite compelling. You certainly won't catch me walking into a fairy circle of flowers in my garden. If anything, the best thing, it's bad luck. But it's something that was told to me as a child here in Britain, and it's not something you can shake off without considerable effort. Leprechauns are a more rascally type of fairy though, but I think the media has a big part to play in making these monsters a lot more common than we might believe. I think we have this to blame for the link to St. Patrick's, and why we're even covering this monster as a St. Patrick's Day special. I think they'd be pretty secretive about their existence, and they try their hardest to not ever be found by another human if seen by one before, much like the history of other fae. I'll be honest, I've been compared to a leprechaun many times over the years, due to the red hair and green eyes, it doesn't help that my name's Erin, and I was born the day before St. Patrick's Day with minimal Irish heritage, so I've always hated this monster for a long part of my life, but it's always fun to try and get to understand them in a more deep dive kind of way. But what do you think? Did the leprechauns roam the fields of Ireland? Let me know on Twitter, I would love to know what you think. A super interesting and popular monster this week, I'm so glad we got to cover this one. I hope you have a fantastic Paddy's Day if you do celebrate it. I will personally be at a Colchester Zoo looking at anteaters all day, and then possibly having a cheeky Guinness to finish it all off. So I'm off now for the next two weeks. It's the annual March break, which I know is a weird time to take it, but it's the podcast anniversary on the 25th of March, so I do like to take a little break for this. It's also my birthday on the 16th, and I don't have another one of these until September. However, when we come back on the 30th of March, we are heading over to Eastern Europe, and most specifically Romania, for the terrifying Strigoi. As always with vampiric monsters, let's keep those turtlenecks on when we come back on the 30th of March for this terrifying being. For now though, thank you so much for listening, it's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on, I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But all of our content can always be found at mythmonsters.co.uk, and you can find us on Good Pods, Buy Me a Coffee, and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though, share this with your pals, they might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky. And I'll see you later, babes.